0: What is up? How you living? How you doing? How you feeling? How you moving? It is the L-E-F-K-O-E man and the I-N-G-P-E-R, Broseph. And we are coming to you live from Who the Hell Knows. Uh, I am very excited because I just finished my conversation with Kyle Van Nooy. And it was one of the most fun conversations I've had in a long time. Inger, I think you enjoyed it too.
1: I mean, first of all, total legend, Patriots legend, uh, the guy that always came up with that big play when you need him. It was like him and Hightower in big games, they would make the sack. They would recover the fumble. They would just just barely grab the guy by his ankle as he was about to break for a 50-yard run. He was just always that guy. And he kind of mentioned that he's now the villain because he went to an AFC rival. But you know what? Like, I don't think anyone in Patriots land no. feels that way. Like, this is kind of a bit of a reset year anyway, a new, new era. So it's like, dude, go get your money. Go join the young team. Compete for Super Bowls over there. We still love you.
0: I'm just realizing, uh, by the way, so that's going to be coming up soon. I'm just realizing there's been so much news since I've done a podcast, and I don't know if I'm going to get to it all today. But the good thing is we're recording a lot of podcasts over these next two weeks. Uh, we gave our guy, John, some, some possible guests to, to get, and he is booking. So we're going to have a lot. So I, 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 sh- I should have asked him, what does he think about Cam Newton in the Patriots? And I totally forgot. Uh, Mahomes just got 503 million. We did talk about that. Um, and I we are going to talk about Deshaun Jackson, everything that's happening there. But because pa- Cam just popped into my head, are you over the moon? Are you still wanting this to be Jared Stidham's team? Where are you, Mr. You, Patriot?
1: You know, uh, I have been... I know you.
0: You started eating that Stidham hype.
1: Well, how can you not? He's your guy. He's when Tom Brady leaves, Jared Stidham's at the top of the depth chart. What are you going to say? Like, I'm not watching the Patriots this year. You're going to talk yourself into Jared Stidham. And he's like a former fourth round pick. He was getting some of that Russell Wilson third round pick vibe of like, this guy's really spinning it. Oh, he's really taking over the locker room. People in the huddle love him. So what am I going to not believe the hype and just right. think like, oh, he's going to stink? Like, what? what's the fun in being a fan in that? But I am also like Cam Newton's number one fan that year at Auburn. And I did, I was that guy that every year I had to have him in fantasy cam Newton. Cause I was like, I don't care. Incredible. I don't care if he has two or three weeks off. He's going to have that one week where he has 45 points and he's going to win you three weeks straight. I love cam Newton. I would take him over running backs. I would take him over the top wide receivers. I just needed cam Newton on my team every single year. I would trade everybody to get him. Uh, so I am a huge cam Newton fan. You never know what an athletic guy is going to look like that, you know, after a couple of years, uh, going through various injuries. I feel like there's been some muddled reports of exactly what injuries he has or doesn't have. I know but that he hoping- had a
0: little bit of a Liz Frank, uh, which some people are worried about the mobility. He had the shoulder right. surgery, which is definitely big. Um, I, I just know this, I'm in a number of group chats. And when that happened, they all were going, it's still gonna be Stidham, Cam is washed. And I thought I was taking crazy pills. Because I'm sitting here looking at a guy that had shoulder surgery. So last year we knew it was going to be tough to recover. This was the injury-free window for Cam. This was going to be the fully healthy Cam. And I just don't think people understand how good – Cam Newton is when he is at his peak. And I don't think people understand how injured he was when he could barely throw it to Christian McCaffrey. And I don't think people understand how little weapons Cam Newton had over the years. And how his best receiver, other than when he first started with Steve Smith, was a running back in Christian McCaffrey. And all the guys they tried to draft, none of them panned out. It was Greg Olson or Bust. His O-line was not good for a while. This is a guy that I believe Has only had one concussion in his career, but yet he's talked about like he has a million. Cam Newton had no offensive coordinator help that I thought was warranted other than the very beginning. He had one year of Greg Chudzinski that people look back and go, wow, you know what? He was good in Indy, he was good in Cleveland, but still hasn't really clicked. And then it was nobody. It was like Norv Turner and uh, Shula, Mike Shula, for like six years. And now he's going with Josh McDaniels. They are going to build an offense around Cam Newton. This is how I feel, Mr. David ingburn your New England Patriots, in which they are going to do a power offense with Cam Newton. And they are going to run him a lot. I believe that Cam Newton, entering this season, if he starts for the New England Patriots – could set an NFL record in rushing touchdowns for a quarterback. Tom Brady and what they used with him on quarterback sneaks on third and short, on fourth and short, they Possibly were never his afraid. most
1: underrated skill ever. For for the greatest quarterback of all time, that's his most underrated skill of all time.
0: He might be the greatest quarterback sneaker of all time. But now, if they can find a way to get the most out of Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman can come back healthy, and they can figure out ways to use those running backs. I believe that Cam Newton and his running ability will be a huge part of this offense because the contract is so cheap. I don't think he's going to be throwing 5,000 yards. I don't think he's throwing 50 touchdowns. I don't think they're spreading it out. I think that they're going to build around his ability and his size, and I think he might set the record for quarterback rushing touchdowns this year. That's my belief in Cam I Newton.
1: love that. Uh, I don't know the number of quarterback rushes. I assume it's like, what, nine or ten in this Neither season? Neither do I.
0: That's how <laughs> confident I am. I have no idea. Let's um, see.
1: But, yeah, when, when Cam Newton first went to the Patriots, of course, he, you know, I got a, a deluge of texts from all my Patriots fan friends, and you and I were texting. And the first thing I thought was just Josh McDaniel's face lighting up and all the playbooks that he has stored in some locker somewhere that he was planning on using certain plays with Andrew Luck when he went to the Colts or certain plays that he was only going to use for Jimmy by Garoppolo. By
0: the way, the, uh, the record all-time is held by Cam Newton
1: at 13. That makes sense. Okay, 13. Wow, won a game basically. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. yeah, that is a tough record to beat, but you know what? Like, If they're just a, a power-running team and they're they're going to try to win games 21-7 to 7 and just try to grind out some some tough, cold winter games? Like, why wouldn't he run on third and two from the two-yard line?
0: This is a team last year that was carried by their defense. Carried. And now you have a guy that can play with that style and punish a team. I'm very bullish. I'm not saying that I'm not a Stidham guy, but, like, if I can get Cam Newton on a one-year deal for the veterans minimum and give Jared Stidham another year of learning the offense... I don't see why that's a bad idea. It's a one-year deal. About, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, we got to talk about Deshaun Jackson um, because I was in a in a hole getting ready for the NBA on TNT. I don't have a teleprompter. I'm running off scripts off Google Docs, and I'm trying to figure out the show. And I go onto my Instagram, and I have about 20 messages from young Jewish kids telling me that they are disappointed and angry at my lack of voice and denouncing Deshaun Jackson of standing by words of Hitler. I'm going to need you to kind of explain this and give a little bit of a backstory. I just want to say really quickly, when someone is quoting or thinks they're quoting Hitler, I don't necessarily think that people need to denounce because I believe that on its face, we all should know where we stand on this. I just want to say that really quickly, but I, I want to give you the kind of a little bit to explain. And I, I know that we see a little bit differently on here, but I kind of want you to kind of set it up. Uh,
1: I want to mention that I am Jewish as well. Um, my grandparents are Holocaust survivors on my mother's side. Uh, that is just important for you to know about so me as too. I discuss this.
0: I have great grandparents as well. Same thing.
1: Um, and the news cycle, as it so often happens with social media, was happening so quickly. It was like, this happened, then this person responded, then this person didn't respond, and then this media outlet called him out. It was all happening so fast. So if I don't get the timeline perfectly correct, I do apologize. But it does seem like he spent the weekend sharing a variety of Louis Farrakhan videos. Uh, Louis Farrakhan is um, a leader in the Nation of Islam who has some very outspoken uh opinions against jewish people and the lgbtq plus community uh and then it was all capped off by him to jackson sharing a three paragraph quote that started by saying hitler said quote and he shared the quote um and it it deals with how uh white jews uh, uh dealing with uh with black people they will blackmail america and they will extort america their plan for world domination is doesn't require much context to know that is an exceedingly anti-Semitic quote. It's and it literally was a Louis starts...
0: Farrakhan quote that somebody photoshopped
1: Hitler on. This part I don't actually fully understand. It is not a Hitler quote, but the page that Deshaun Jackson put out on Instagram literally says Hitler said. So yeah. whether this is actually a quote from Hitler or not is immaterial in terms of the attention, be- uh, be- the intention, because Deshaun Jackson was attempting to share the wisdom of. Of uh, Adolf yeah. Hitler, and I say wisdom, obviously, with very large air quotes. Um, then he apologized and he said that people took this the wrong way. Uh, I, as a Which Jewish is person, never don't the right know, thing
0: to say in any apology.
1: I don't know what the right way is to to right. take the intention of sharing a Hitler quote. He also then reshared the quote with the first and third paragraph crossed out, and he just said this capital T H I S. And was pointing to the middle paragraph that said, uh, "And I'll just read it: They will extort America, meaning Jewish people. Uh, Their plan for world domination won't work if the Negroes know who they were." So he doubled so down after worst his first part apology. Of the quote. He doubled down after the, the apology, saying like people took this the wrong way, and then his way of clarifying it was to share uh, to reshare much of the same quote, sort of the the middle part, the meat of that quote.
0: How does it make you feel, man?
1: Uh, obviously, it's very troubling. Um, I do hope that his apology is sincere. I don't know him personally. Um, a lot of people want to chalk this up to ignorance. I don't believe that that is an acceptable course of action in this particular case, because there might be someone out there that doesn't know the name David Duke, who happens to be a KKK leader. Right. Everyone knows who Hitler is, right? It, it is It is unacceptable in today's society to feign ignorance about who Hitler was, what he represented, and what he represents in today's society, and not just to Jews, but he also um, was—he had his uh, his war path yeah. against the LGBT plus community. Uh, uh, it, it, it the, the list goes on and on um, of who Hitler targeted. But I think it is very synonymous with the name Hitler and everything that he represents synonymous with his hatred of Jews and anti-Semitism in general. And we I don't were, feel we've like- We've
0: been texting about this all morning. And I thought one of your most salient points was everyone saying, well, the Eagles gave Riley Cooper an extension after he said the N word. So there's a precedent. And I thought what you said, which was great was, Why do we keep using that as a precedent? Why don't we just change history, stop using hate speech as a way of allowing
1: other hate speech to happen? I thought that was a great point. Well, I just, yeah, some people have said like, hey, this very team, the Eagles, they kept Riley Cooper on after he did uh, an unimaginably racist thing. Well, just because they made that call that I thought was wrong at the time and continue to think is wrong, I don't know why that's a precedent to mean that, uh, that they have to keep someone on after doing something very or vaguely racist. Yes. Um, now, again, I'm not here to tell the Eagles who they should or shouldn't have on their team. I right. simply think that more than an apology is necessary. I think years and years of education and action and positive social change are warranted here. Uh, and I also believe that it seemed like the media did a great job of calling out Deshaun Jackson, and it didn't feel like many of the players, uh, his teammates, uh, people around the league, other coaches, unless I missed them. I'm sure there was a few in there, but no, it was I, not. No, I want
0: you to know that literally two minutes ago, I just got hit up by a very prominent reporter that asked me what my opinion is of why players are remaining silent right
1: now. And that's so, right. And, that, that's, and, and that's the part that troubled me because uh, the comparable situation in very, very recent events is Drew Brees', Drew Brees. comments about Colin Kaepernick's uh, protests and I thought it was very heartening to see that everyone from around the league, white players, black players, everyone was denouncing what Drew Brees said. And Drew Brees had to rethink everything he thought about it. And he's now, as you mentioned on your podcast, Left Go, a, an, a, an agent for positive change. I did not see that same level of response, not even close to what Deshaun Jackson said. Now I understand. Yeah,
0: the, the most prominent voice I've seen is Steven Jackson coming out and saying Deshaun Jackson's right, which is to Stephen me, Steven Jackson, more not Stephen
1: A. Jackson, right? Stephen yeah, A. Steven okay, the, I'm sorry. Totally yeah, the I, NBA. I, th- I thought I misheard uh, you, yeah, okay.
0: So I, I just want to kind of talk about this from a macro level. One, I am publicly denouncing it, okay? Like I, I, I just, there are some things that to me are so blatant that, that I don't think it's necessary to come out and be like, that was wrong. It's so blatantly wrong that I don't think so. Number two, I feel the same way about this that I do about Drew Brees, you have just put a lot of work on your plate because Drew Brees can never go back and stand behind the flag now and talk about, oh, well, this is what I'm talking about. I don't want to talk about racial issues. My grandmama's calling me. I wonder if it's about the Sean Jackson. Could um, be. But the thing with the Sean Jackson now is he needs to get in the community. I know that he's already met with a rabbi in the Philadelphia area. It's a little bit like we were talking about in text where you were saying about Michael Vick. And how he had to go around and, and, and talk about that and do community service. When you use your prep platform to spread hateful messages or misinformation, there now has to be work to be done. And that has to happen. As a Philadelphia Eagles fan and as a, a Jewish person, There was an an article that uh, I did share on social. I think it was Ben Natan of Bleeding Green Nation that I thought was um, thoughtful and and it allowed for room for growth, which was, and I agreed with him, I don't think this was done maliciously. I believe that this was done ignorantly. And I understand what you're saying where like, how could you be ignorant to what Hitler is? I... I know that no amount of hurt in anyone can allow them to go and spew hate speech about anybody else. I believe that the NFL needs to come out and needs to say something here. And I believe that Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, who is Jewish, the general manager, Howie Roseman, who is Jewish, I believe that they're going to come out and say more about this. But I'm always trying to think of instead of canceling something, Instead of cutting somebody and letting it go into obscurity and being like, Well, that takes care of that, I believe now it's, hey, Deshaun, the work starts now. You need to get out there and and explain your ignorance and own up to it and work to fixing it. And I, I know that that you're a little bit more on the there's no excuse for this, but I I want people to 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 learn. I just I don't really just want to banish people even when they say something that I think is disgusting and hateful.
1: Um I also think uh everyone has their line of what is a cuttable offense. Um when well, Aaron Hernandez no. was brought up on charges of murder, he was cut from the New England Patriots immediately. That was a line for the Patriots and this is obviously not nearly as bad as murder, but it is a line for many, many people. And I think everyone has the opportunity in a, in, a, in a free economy and a free country to decide what is the line, what is the thing that is too far that you should no longer be employed by your current employer. Um, I don't know if it requires a half year suspension or a one year suspension, that's for other people to decide. I just think that like cancel culture, as you're right, I think cancel culture can often tip too far. I think most people would agree with that. Uh, And I don't think cancel culture coming for Deshaun Jackson in this particular case is wildly inappropriate. But I think everyone has the opportunity to decide for themselves what is too far in terms of uh, how you can act, how you can act on social media very publicly. He put this out intentionally and publicly. He said, I'm standing by this twice after apologizing Um, that if that if that for you is not the line. Uh, then I think I encourage everyone to do a little introspection and figure out what is the line? What, what could he have said? That would have been too far for you.
0: I unfortunately missed 75% of that because the audio stopped coming into my AirPods, but I, I, I agree with you. And I think, uh, this is me just kind of speaking to the 33, 3% and being very candid. I am going to sit down with this because it, it really is like right in my wheelhouse, like Judaism and the Eagles And like a guy that I've interviewed now twice, because I'm going to do what you just said. I need to sit down with this and figure out what my line is. Because what I see a lot is when, when things start to get crazy, I try and take a step back and I kind of go, how could this have happened? How could somebody have done this? And I want to see it from their perspective. Um, But, but I will say that the silence is deafening and that if, if we as an NFL league and as sports fans are going to rally behind um, what has been happening in terms of social justice messages for the black community, and I have come out here and my first thing that I put out, David, was about how I went to the Holocaust Museum and I noticed that the silence is what allows hate speech to turn into hateful actions and and could turn into something that became the holocaust and then when i see speech come out about jewish people and i don't see any black people stepping forward there is a part of me that it it just makes me sad and i just want to say this to my audience i just I haven't had enough time to really sit with it. Really, the, the most conversation I've had is with, with you, Ingber, like throughout the day. And I, I, I appreciate you because um, you're, you've always been someone that when you believe something, you're not just going to tail the, to the masses, to the mob. That is what you believe. And I, it's something that I really need to think about because I don't believe that it was done maliciously at the same point there's no space for it. And it, it really can hurt a lot of people. And, and you know, my fear is that there's going to be a large part of the black community that's going to go, well, hold on a second, Jews, what is this whole thing going on? And my fiance grew up in Queens, the two people, the two groups of people in that community, black people and Jewish people. Um, There there's so much connection between those two communities that to put out that one is trying to sell out the other is, it's really dangerous. And I think as I'm talking right now, I'm kind of wading into those waters, but um, it just makes me sad if, if that, and I, I'm just trying to kind of come to terms with it.
1: Um, just going back to something that you said earlier, Lefkoe, uh people in the media, people in general, people on social media, don't necessarily have to react within an hour uh, in order to get their takes out. Um, and that when there's a story like this that requires a thoughtful, delicate response, sometimes it's good to take two or three days to think about something. At
0: that point too, I had, when this, when, when, when everything was really going after George Floyd, I had about five different conversations with very prominent non-athletes, but black people. And, people were in their mentions going I'm upset at you for not coming out right now and making a statement. And you know what all of them said to me, I'm grieving. Something has happened in which I am trying to process my emotions and I'm not the people that need to speak right now. Somebody needs to be the ally and speak for me. And that's what's been interesting with this situation is the people that have been outspoken have been media, which there's a lot of Jewish people in media. And the front office of the Eagles, who are Jewish. And there there needs to be some form of time for for people that are the affected party to sit with their thoughts and go, how does this make me feel? Because I I don't want to outlash. I don't want to meet hate with hate. That's not energy that I want to put into the universe that never comes back clean. And so yeah the the people behind the scenes going with their pitchforks get them it's like man
1: let let people process at their own speed it's just not healthy i think it's i mean it's it's important for people to reach out uh you you were saying that young jewish men and women were reaching out to you Lefko, they see you as a role model they see you in a public forum and i think it's great that they want to hear your feelings on this but i do think that people should allow some i mean Back in the days when newspapers were the main way that we got our news, a news story might happen on noon at Monday and the newspaper didn't cover it till Wednesday morning because of certain deadlines and certain interviews that couldn't happen until then. It's only a very recent journalistic thing that you have to get your opinions out within minutes or it, you know, somehow it doesn't count because it wasn't in the first wave of trending. So uh, if, if if you felt like someone like Lefko, who's very, I know you're very outspoken about many, many issues, if you felt like he hadn't spoken up. It might just be because he's formulating his thoughts. And I think that more and more writers and journalists um, should be allowed to do that.
0: Uh, This is a conversation that I do not believe is going to end with this podcast. I think it's something that we're going to monitor over the next few weeks. We'll see what happens with the situation on the team, but also will there be growth? Will there be change? Will there be action? I think that's, that's what we've been asking from everybody over these next few weeks. And, uh, we're gonna do a little bit more processing. I, I appreciate you uh, being so honest. I appreciate you kind of sharing. And I, I, to everybody out there, I kind of dropped this on David the last minute. I was like, hey, I need you on the podcast. So thank you very
1: much. Thanks for having me on.
0: Um, now let's do something more fun, which is Kyle Van Nooy. Uh, I love you guys. Ingber, let's get your final message in now. For David Ingber.
1: Well, you mentioned Dwayne Wade as your buddy. Always feel free to lean on your buddies because they'll lean on you back. I love that. All right guys, here's the interview. Enjoy.
0: You know when you text and DM with somebody for a while, you really hope that you can have a real conversation. And that's what we're going to get right now. A dude that went from I don't know what he's doing in the NFL to holy crap he has two Super Bowl rings and now he's living in Miami. <laughs> Kyle freaking Van Noy. Uh dude, I I was so happy to see your rise and it's so good to talk to you in person, man. How you Thank feeling?
2: you, man. I appreciate it. I've been following you for a while. And, you know, first I want to say congrats to you and wifey. That's, that's amazing. I appreciate it. Um, I've man. been following you for a while and love what you're doing. Love that, you know, we're kind of on the same growth path right now. Uh, you're yeah. moving up. I'm moving up. We're doing kind of things similar so you know i i wanted to say congrats to all your success you're killing it
0: the fact that you can equate my success to two super bowl rings is very humbling and i appreciate <laughs>
2: that very much yeah uh
0: i kind of want to start like kind of here you are you're in the lions you're a second round pick and then you find out you're traded to the patriots and i just want to know because Number one, what is it like to know that you got traded for a 6 round pick and a seventh-round pick? Like, how big is the chip on your shoulder still about that? Like, that's the first thing I
2: want to Huge. About. Um, I, I think about it every day when I wake up to get ready for my workout. If I'm not feeling like uh, I want to work out that day, just, you know, working out that chip on my shoulder gets bigger and bigger because I, I want to prove to um, – I don't think it was necessarily – um anybody except a couple coaches factors, and I want to prove to those coaches that wanted to get rid of me each and every day like you made a mistake. And that's why some of them have been fired. So let's just keep it real.
0: <laughs> uh what about the other side where you go? I get to go play for the Patriots. Yeah. What was that initial thought
2: like? I'm gonna be real, I was actually pissed. <laughs> I was pissed because I finally, in my third year, became a starter. I was finally starting to – I was healthy.
0: You had a core injury yes, and surgery was, your first like year? the first
2: time I was healthy, fully healthy, playing, starting. Obviously, people don't realize I never played off the ball either until the NFL. And to be able to do that, to go from on-the-ball position to an off-the-ball position, it's a whole different ball game. And to be able to do that,
0: yeah, it's the di- for people that don't realize. And correct me if I'm wrong. It's the difference between being like, "Hey, you need to set the edge and allow other people to succeed," versus, "Hey, run wild and make exactly."
2: Plays. And I, I don't think I was. I was fi- my third year. I finally felt comfortable with it, and my progression was finally from, in my standard, was happening. I don't think it was happening fast enough, but from the positions I was put into, where I had coaches come to me to my face tell me we don't know where to put you to then Mm -hmm. finally get a chance to like okay like I'm I have an opportunity I'm you know making the most of it to then getting traded I was kind of pissed like man I wanted that uh hero story that struggled and then got back on his feet and stayed with a um an organization his whole career I kind of wanted that um history for myself but don't matter. Don't care. My history is different. I'm glad it happened. Um, I'm really blessed it happened. I loved my time in New England. It was great. I have a lot of great memories, but now sometimes the hero has to turn into a villain. So now I'm the villain.
0: <laughs> I don't, I don't think you are because I will get into that okay. later because I think um, I want to hear about how special a man Brian Flores is. Cause I know that that's a huge reason, um, but When I was working with Sims, he would talk about how when he was the the low-level guy there, he would pick people up from the airport, and he would drive them to the facility, and they'd go meet with Bill. And to know that you had coaches in Detroit look at you and go, we don't know what to do with you, and then to go meet with Bill, who has an idea for everybody – what was that first meeting like? What was that plan that he laid out for
2: you? That's awesome. You actually gave me chills thinking about it because I didn't even have a meeting with him. I literally landed at one o'clock on the Tuesday night, woke up five thirty, five o'clock the next day for my, um, my physical to make sure the trade went through. And then finally it passed. So I was able to, put my pads on, get my pads on and go out to practice. Like I was a normal guy, had been there for 10 years, you know, and nobody really told me what was going on. It was like, get in line and let's go. And then it wasn't until on the field, he's, you know, he does his little twirling. He twirls his
0: whistle around. He's like, hey, man,
2: come here real quick. And it was during like a punt team. So it was in the middle of practice. He hadn't said nothing to me. No one's really said anything to me. And he's like. He's like, you know, Van Noy, I always get my guys. And, you know, at first I'm like, what the hell, you know? But later, like when I saw the whole bigger picture and where I was positioning and what I was doing, I was like, hot damn, like this dude is, like I've said multiple times, he's not playing checkers, he's playing chess and it's really impressive. He's playing like 3D chess with like three different- He is thinking five steps ahead of people and it's really impressive.
0: How long did it take for you to see what he saw?
2: Ooh, not until probably my second season there. I would say, In 16, it was still a learning curve for me. But in 17, when I would, I, obviously they gave me the green dot at sometimes during the 16 season, but then to go through a full off season with them and see how the entire complexity of the system worked, it was like a whole different ball game. And now it was like, okay, now I get it.
0: What do you, like, I've always said that the thing that Bill and his philosophy, what I appreciate is he really loves strong corners because he knows that if, if I can get one-on-one, it frees me up to get really creative underneath, but it's also, he knows exactly what an offense wants to do. And he, he says, I'm going to take that away and beat me with the other people. And the thing is, is I, I want every other team to operate that uh-huh. way. I just don't know if they're capable. And I was wondering if you could shed light on that.
2: I think it comes down to like, I think coaches, other places have won in different ways. So their ego is like, I want to, this also works. So I want to go against the grain. Um, But for me, I feel like with how offenses are working nowadays, you can't have one, one defense this is it this is what you're going to get every play unless you have for example um, what the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, of 17. Oh
0: yeah you're just you're stacked with like the most incredible athletes.
2: Exactly and that, that, that only happens once every maybe five years I mean the time before that was the Seahawks so like, that doesn't, it doesn't happen that very much to where you can just be okay with one. I feel like it, you have to have an a interchangeable door. You can't – you, you got to make Andy Reid. Like, you saying that thing, he going to pick – him and Mahomes are going to um, pick you apart. So you have to be able to adapt, and that's the one thing that I love what Miami's doing. We have multiple sets. We have really strong corners. We have good – up front, oh. seven's gonna be amazing. I'm, I'm really excited about the group we have. We're young. I mean, I'm the second oldest on the team, which is crazy. I'm 29, wow. so um it, it, I'm excited. Bringing around these young guys has, has brought me a whole different fuel to this off season and working out with the guys. I'm really excited about it. So,
0: I mean, I mean Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Ooh I mean, I don't know if it gets better. Yeah, than
2: I, you know, I. X-Man, he's a beast, and Byron Jones, he's a freak athlete. You, know, you can't find many of those. You, know, you, you might see how they're hyped, but I don't know athleticism. You're going to see many dudes like that.
0: So when did you know in New England that Brian Flores was special?
2: Um, I think the, it was pretty soon the control he had with, the guys on the team, as far as the relationships he had and the respect factor when he spoke, people listened, Um, being able to joke and be serious at the same time. It really, I think in 18, everyone saw a glimpse of that with our defense. And, you know, we, it it was a long process because we were doing a lot of things differently that year than, previous years and we got way more aggressive and that was a learning curve there because with Matty P it was a little more conservative so for us like that was an adjustment to do and he did a great job of like you know we're going to keep working on this we're going to keep working on this and you saw that the entire year He, he didn't flinch and neither did Bill and you know we ended up going on a run to the Super Bowl we beat your best friends um, Kansas City. <laughs> I know how much you love Travis Kelsey and Pat Mahomes, boy, but we had, we had to meet them. And um, yeah, that was that was 18 this year. You know, last year, it obviously was different.
0: Flores to me is the first defensive disciple of Belichick that I've believed in from the start. Um, and Do I think Patricia can make it work in Detroit? I'm sure he can make it work. But my belief about the head coaches that I truly believe in are the guys day in and day out live what they preach. Because I think that you guys are always looking at them. And if they waver, then you're going to question some stuff too. Like Belichick never wavers. Andy Reid is the same guy. And everything that I've watched and read about Brian Flores The dude would fight a defensive lineman if he needed to. Like there's no, there's no punk. I know me and him
2: have gotten into it. (laughs) What was the most fiery time? What was that? What was that moment? I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this. Um, I think it was, this is good. It's just who he is as a person, just his, his fiery, his level of competitiveness and his expectation is so high sometimes you're like it's unrealistic but it's it's not um and I, it was after a jets game i believe in 16 it was uh, i was like wednesday morning we came in early i we're watching film he comes in and it was me and the landed at the time because the was a rookie and i was just getting there so we just try to watch film together and he comes in and basically lights us up that we suck, you know, this, this, and this. And, you know, I think the score was like 40 something to nothing. And I'm like scratching my head. Like, uh, I, I, don't, I don't like this dude. Like he basically saying we suck and we played all right. And, you know, we get into the next meeting and Bill like mentioned he landed and me and it, like playing good. And we look over and we look at D flow and he's like, shaking his head and he's like I know he said you guys played good I also think you played good but my expectation is for you to dominate each and every play and that's what I was trying to get across and when I realized that and he landed realized that that he was he had our best interests. like he wanted us not only to be a great player but a great person man I'll go to bat for b-flow any day
0: what was the sales pitch like? Was it, because I feel like you signed really early in free agency.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the, I had a lot of interest, but at the end of the day, like when somebody want, like, wants you, I feel like that speaks volume. Uh, it's, it, it makes your job easy to pick on where you want to go. I, I wanted to be wanted, and you know they came to bat first, and they, they wanted me. So there you go. I want to be a part of somebody that wants to want me.
0: Um, all right, let's talk about my guy Patty getting 503. Um, that's awesome. It it is awesome. And I, it's funny because when when guys sign contracts like that, there's the initial reaction of wow, that's a lot of money. And then some people want to question whether or not he's worth yeah. it. With Pat, I feel like the sentiment's been opposite. I feel like people are like, he could have gotten more. Yes. And, and it's I think so too. it's interesting.
2: I think he could have got more. I mean, obviously, it goes back to the CBA we just signed. Just imagine if Patty was the head person of those meetings and, you know, demanding, we want more on gambling. You know, that's a whole different ballgame. But regardless, I'm happy with what he got. I think it's amazing for sports. I think it's amazing for football that um, you can reach that potential uh, quarterbacks are definitely on a different level, but I think it raises the bar for everybody else to go higher as well from, you know, guys rushing the passers to ta- you know, tackles bars raised because now they got to protect him and that's going to raise the bar for everyone. So that's what I'm happy about. He changed the game forever. Um, I'm happy for him, but I still like playing the chiefs and I got to hit him. So I love that. And yeah. now you got all you got here to have all these kids nowadays doing these hip drills like Dak and you know, getting it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so I'm I'm happy. What's for him. What's, what's crazy to me
0: about Pat though is he's really the first quarterback in which I talk to every position and they go, Oh no, he's the best. Yeah. It's like definitive. Yeah.
2: I mean he is right now. He, the thing is is I have a rival like I've had a rival for, with against them for the last four years. So like, for right. me, it's hard, it's hard to, you know, to say like, I want like, as yeah. out, of, out of respect, yes, but like competition, I'm gonna say hell no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. I really yeah. do. It's, um. I think the thing that I, I appreciate the most about him is that before this happened, he went out there and he's been really vocal and with, with everything going on societally right now, and also standing with LeBron in in terms of like the voting impact and change. And when you have somebody that's 24 years old, they're willing to be vocal and then they're rewarded with the biggest contract. You kind of go, everything's being done the right way. And I know he's not going to sit on the sidelines and just avoid all of this stuff that he can really be an agent of change.
2: For sure. I I think we, be that in the NFL and, you know, personally, I also think it's awesome that a a a black person, a black man, like his stature is stepping up to the plate. I think it's amazing for football. I'm glad they picked him as the next golden child. Like, I, I think it's awesome.
0: What kind of a relationship, because now Fitz has been around so many young quarterbacks from, and, and, and he's played so long now. What kind of mentorship do you think he can provide?
2: I think he's because they're yeah. similar
0: in stature and they both have
2: wheels. I think he's going to, I think, honestly, what I do think it's going to love, it's going to level up both of them. I think it's going to bring in a competition. I also think having Fitz, who's very smart, very cerebral, and how he thinks offensively, how you know, he he's really smart and he's a gunslinger too. So I think those two things are going to be perfect for Tua because that's ultimately what Tua is if you go back and watch some of his college. But at the same time, I, I can't really sit here and say too much about the quarterback. I, uh, I play defense. So it's, it's, I, I've seen the intangibles of a really, really good one for a long time. And I, I feel like you know Tua's got that.
0: When when Brady went to Tampa, did you think that that could happen? Oh yeah. Okay. Damon. So this this has been brewing for a while.
2: I mean, me personally, I I think it has. I didn't yeah. when he left. I wasn't like shocked. I wasn't shocked. I wasn't shocked. For wrong. me, I kind of knew mean, it
0: when he started going to the when he started going to the one year contracts. I was like, okay, he's he's leaving the door
2: open. Yeah. I mean, he did sell his house. (laughs) I mean.
0: I know. The weird thing is with guys like that, I always go, well, how many houses does he have? You know, he might have a bunch.
2: Well, you don't sell that house for no reason.
0: No, true. But my other question, though, was when Gronk joined him, Mm -hmm. was there a part of you that was like, why the hell didn't you play with us last year?
2: Yeah. Uh, I never really thought about it like that. I mean, me I have a relationship with Robbie G. That's my guy. Um, I think mentally he he needed a break, and that's okay. Yeah. I, I think with the amount of pressure and what you go day in and day out of an NFL season and that caliber and he was yeah, worn. Exactly out, man. the caliber of um of how he played at such a high level for so long, I felt like he kind of deserved a break. Plus, playing in New England is not easy. The demand is so high. And um, the one thing I do respect about Bill is everyone's treated the same. That means nobody really gets breaks. So, (laughs) you know, that demand each and every day, you know, that's a grind.
0: As an Eagles fan, I remember when Lane Johnson made the comments about not having fun and all that stuff. And <laughs> a lot of people looked at that Eagles Super Bowl as like, see, you don't have to yeah. be like the Patriots. You can have fun. But when you get a taste of that discipline and that like unrelentingness, is it hard to operate in any other way?
2: I think there's a happy medium, to be honest. I think okay. everyone sees the Sunday, the discipline, but you can you know, you come and hang out, hang around that group or hung around us at those times, I don't think you would ever, you'd be like, these these guys are just like any other team. If anything, we're closer because we can joke around, we can have fun behind closed doors, but then when that that eye in the sky is watching, it's business and, you know, we're all about it. And now, Uh, I kind of want
0: to talk about uh, what you were saying about Polly, because I think that there is a fraternity and it's growing and the, the, the positions are changing. We're starting to get, you know, quarterbacks are starting to get more frequent. Um, But the the pride that you guys have as a group uh, I feel like, because especially I'm looking at Tua and I'm seeing, I'm reading about how he broke all like Mariota's records. And it was like this really big deal. how proud are you just of, of, of how far you guys are, are coming and, and, and how big deal you guys are
2: becoming? Yeah, uh, awesome. It get, that gave me chills thinking about all the family members that have worked so hard to get where some of it takes village to raise some of us. It definitely took a village to raise me. And I give all those my family members the credit. They did a tremendous job of not only me, but siblings and other people that I know that are in the NFL and it takes a village and they're all behind us they all root us on it's definitely a family first like I'll never forget I I'll tell you a quick story so most Polys, if you know you meet if you go to the island it doesn't matter what they have. If you say, like, that looks good or that looks cool, they'll take their shoes off their feet and give them to you, Man. their shirt off their back. And, you know, last last year, we kind of had the boogeyman movement thing. And we went to one of the, one of, uh, I forget where we were at. And I saw, so that was Polly. And they're like, oh, that was a cool shirt. and I took it off and gave it to him. And he was like, he's like, he's like, you, you're, you're definitely Polly. so like, to me, that that's what that's it's all amazing. about. It's so fun to be able to do that and relate to people that are doing that for others and be a part of this culture. It's a blessing.
0: Um, yeah. That boogeyman, it was, it was so, I felt bad cause I love Sam. I really do. And I, I think that, <laughs> oh. To me, I don't. I don't think that's something that only he has said, especially against your defense last year. I, I, You're I averaging like bad. allowing I nine felt, points per game. I felt
2: bad for him. Honestly, I was shocked the first time I heard it. I thought it was a joke, um, and I, I was more mad because I'm. I'm sure I've. I mean, I've said stuff like stupid stuff like yeah. that. And to have that that trust, I feel like. I think a lot of people might not do that because of that now. Be do the mic'd up mm-hmm. because of the, of the trust factor of them. Like, oh, let me get a couple more ratings and we'll just take the fine or the publicity hit for it because that, look at what it is. I'm
0: sure there's been a time where you looked at a teammate and said, I'm getting my ass kicked. I suck. <laughs> and if that went on TV, like that's following you around for a long yeah.
2: time. Yeah, or just saying stuff to refs or saying stuff to other players on different teams. I mean, you could go on. People are like, you're not a role model. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when, when you're on a defense like you were last year, and you're creating such confusion and fear and, and doubt in an opponent, And there's still like two quarters left to play. Is it just like you're at a buffet and you're like, you're getting a sack and you're getting a pick. Like, what is it like to be on such a dominant unit that, that you're really instilling
2: fear in the other team? I think what was so fun about it is the preparation in each and every week that we had and guys really being in tune. I mean, we had all at that time last year, all of us, the core group I mean I don't like there I'm I'm gonna be going against them but the fact that you have two dudes in the secondary that have played a decade together like that doesn't happen so to have that with the disguise and what we're doing up front with guys that have played anywhere from five years to four years together to know what they're doing is pretty remarkable and you know I just want to take what I learned there from those guys and Try to bring it down here, and then put our own mix to it, because um this is gonna be a whole different culture than what up there is, like oh. it's amazing what b flow has installed with the young guys they're so hungry, their preparation is amazing so far i'm i'm it gets me so excited for the season man i'm I'm really excited this is gonna be a good one I got.
0: I got to meet uh, Chase Vinovich at the Super I'm Bowl. am sorry. And now I'm thinking about.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I just think about you guys in a room and him being like, KVN, that's wild. This is crazy, bro. Like, I was like, I was like, I literally asked him, man, I go, what part of California are you from? And he's like, no, man, Iowa. Or I forget what
2: yeah, yeah, Pennsylvania. Sir, and I
0: was like, where is this coming from?
2: <laughs> yeah, can you imagine him, me, and uh, him, Jamie Collins, and Hightower, and there dealing with them. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: you're sitting there as, like, the wise yeah, one, we, and he's like, what?
2: We kept on saying whose brother it was. <laughs> nah, that's that's so brother. nah, that's your brother. Nah,
0: that's <laughs> your brother. Man. Uh, there's just so many guys, like... You know what? Let's get. Let, I'm sure that you have a lot of love for this dude. There's a lot of guys at every position that could be wildly underrated. You were that guy for a long time. I personally believe that Devin McCourty is one of the oh. most underrated players yeah. in the NFL.
2: Maybe, maybe like in the last decade. Yes. I mean, oh yeah, I I could go. Up. I I don't like talking good about him because he always talks trash about me. <laughs> but no, that's like oh, fuck that guy. he's like my older little brother. I mean, him and Jay Mack kind of, you know, took me under their wings a little bit, and you know, I I t- I'd talk to him almost every day. Um, but what Dev taught me, money can't buy. That's how powerful his leadership is. That's how powerful. Um, he is on a field is his knowledge of the game and life is amazing Uh, Mm. his understanding of what what a coach of of Bill's status and to be able to be the coach on the field calling every play right knowing what the opponent's going to do it's crazy to even describe because of how it goes unnoticed and which is crazy too. I think I saw a stack the other day, like how many snaps he's taken in the last decade. It is like disgusting. He doesn't miss. Yeah. And it's really impressive. And it goes to show you, you know, I'm going to shout him out the Rutgers way. That's, that's, they're, they're always the Rutgers guys. They always brag about it, but really he's, he's really remarkable in what he does. And I think to me, a lot of saf- safeties are in that one-dimensional, d- one-trick pony, but he can do it all. You need him to play man-to-man, he can play. You need him to play in the box, does he want to? Maybe not, but he'll do it. And he does it really good. And if you want to play him, you know, middle middle post, he can do it. He can do it all. And that's, you know, what I really appreciate of, uh, as a fan watching him. He.
0: I just look at, you know, there's there's a few guys that I know that that Belichick puts on the the board before the season goes. These guys are making the team, and it's as as Phil Sims used to say to me, it's the fullback James Devlin, it's uh, the special teams guy. What's his name? Matt. Um,
2: yeah, Slater. Uh, thank you,
0: Slater. And it's Devin McCourty, like not even Tom. Yeah. Like I like. What Devin allows him to do on defense is is insane. And I, I think the safety position is the hardest one for fans to understand. Yeah. They're they're typically not even on the television screen after the ball is snapped. Um, you don't even see their coverage, and the only time we talk about them often is when they, they get burned and it might not even be their fault. Exactly. So it's uh it's crazy. Miami, though, is treating you well. You're liking the weather, quarantine's been okay. Yeah.
2: Am I cool to It's kind of raining, but life's good over here. (laughs) Man,
0: it's a little different than living in in Foxborough or Boston or something like
2: that. Yeah, I'm excited. The people, obviously, what we're going through as a country is not fun with the pandemic, but the people here have shown love. Everyone's been great. Um, Everyone seems a lot happier because of the sun, that's for sure. I'm still trying to meet it's the, the truth. boy. I'm trying to get him on my TV show that I do Elite Eats. I need to. I need to have you put in a word with D Wade for him. Which person? D Wade. D Wade. The guy. He is my guy. Yeah.
0: Like, um, so the funny thing for me, so I'm getting like really big into sports cards because I just see the the value oh, of the it's market's crazy
2: right now. Right. Are you collector? Are you a collector? I've been okay. What's I've your really favorite card? Home. I got I got one that I have. My it's at my parents' house. It's it's my favorite. One that I own or one that I don't. One that you own. have owned or one that you want to own.
0: I have today. It should be getting here today. I spent more money on it than I should, and I was on vacation and I got drunk that <laughs> night because I shouldn't have bought it. I got a I got a 1980 tops PSA nine. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Doctor J, all on one card, and it's it's Magic and Bird's rookie card. They don't—that's their only rookie card, and it's both of that's theirs. Sick. That right now, when that comes in here today, I'm gonna put it into my arms. I like my fiance is gonna try and cuddle. I'm gonna push her off <laughs> the bed.
2: What's what's your card? I what's have your card? The rookie card of KG tops.
0: So this is wild. I believe that Kevin Garnett is wildly undervalued right mm-hmm. now. And when I talk to people in the hobby, they tell me it's because KG, I think had some deals. And so he doesn't have great rookie cards. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at his Fleer, which is like him in like the draft hat. And I'm sitting here cause I, I I look at the hype. Cause if I'm thinking about flipping the hall of fame next year <laughs> is Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, and Tim Duncan. And he has
2: his show coming out too.
0: And so Kobe's not there. R.I.P. To speak for himself, mm-hmm. Tim Duncan. It's going to be fun to like look at him. But KG on that podium, given like he was just an uncut gem. Like yeah. I just see him as like a star that's just not being talked about.
2: Enough. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Do you think it? Do you think it's because he? You know how it's kind of like Vince Carter. They they were in the league for so long. It's kind of just like, all right, that's Vince Carter. He's a legend. Is it kind of the same? Do you get that same feel?
0: Like a boredom? From what I've talked to uh, from people that I trust, they say that if you look at it, big men have never really mm-hmm. a, a, accrued in value. It's all guards and it's all scorers. Um, but I think that, I personally believe that the hobby is going to a place that we've never seen, and I think, um, I think that there's going to be a lot of very big financial institutions and people with a lot of money coming in. And one of the things they're going to do is they're going to look at who are the top 100 players of all time, and they're going to go, "Well, Duncan and Kareem and Wilt and Garnett are why are they so cheap?" And then people are like, "Are going to go well because the guards get all the love, the Steph Curry's get all the loves." But um, I don't know. I also think it'll be great when he goes in the Hall of Fame that people can see his highlight
2: reel. Yeah, it's um,
0: Yeah, and, and realize, like, that that time in Minnesota with Marbury, yeah. that was, like, the coolest duo for a long time. Yeah. Like, they were special.
2: Yeah, you get me excited because yeah. I also, you know, I, I love, I love, love, Corey McGee and Darius Miles. Oh, oh man. man, They was it was fun to watch. Have you done their podcast yet? No, I haven't.
0: The uh the the Darius Miles Qu- Quentin Richardson
2: one. Uh, I've I've seen it though. I I I, I, would, I would, yeah, it's fun. It, look, it looks pretty cool. I mean, I also got to throw in the ba- the the newer bad boys, Ben Wallace. I was a big Ben Wallace fan. That's why I had an Afro oh. in high school. Is because oh. of Ben Wallace. He's part of the reason why I wore number three as well as. Allen Iverson they were kind of like the guys I I watched that was
0: my thing man I was a huge Sixers fan I was Iverson all day and that those Pistons teams were special and I to me it's the ultimate what if is if they drafted Carmelo instead of Dario or uh Darko Milicic. like they they could have kept that core together forever Mm -hmm. and that would have been insane but This better not be the last time you come on this show. This
2: is too much fun. Yeah, this is great. We keep going.
0: All right, I'm going to get your number, and then I'm going to message D-Wade, and I need you to kind of give me what you want to do with him, and we're going to make it happen. I'll (laughs) give that to you. That will be my gift. I
2: appreciate it.
0: I don't know if I'm allowed to just keep pimping out D-Wade and be like, I know him. I can (laughs) hook up, but we'll figure it
2: out. (laughs) Yeah, well, I, I guess I'll give you permission. You can pimp me out too now.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Perfect.
2: perfect, Man. Good yeah, talk you to You too, brother. man. I appreciate it. All
0: right, man. Talk. All soon. right. All right. Bye, bud. Man. What a, what a legend. Kyle Van Noy. You know, there's, there, there's times where you get punched right in the face with a compliment when a podcast starts where, where you look at a guy that coins the term boogeyman and is like pro bowl and winning super bowls and they say they're watching your career and he knows that i'm engaged like uh i don't know i i'm still not getting used to this 33 percent shit is crazy uh thank you to david ingber for joining us in the beginning and filling in there uh, for matt slater obviously a huge thank you to kyle van noy I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Holla, holla, holla. I will, I don't know. I'm still flustered. I will talk to you guys later. Appreciate you guys commenting about NBA on TNT. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. All right. Talk to you later. Peace.